0: Welcome to the Entrepreneur's MBA, bringing you lessons from real-life entrepreneurs they don't teach in business school. Here's your host, business coach
1: and marketing strategist, Adam Kipness. Competitive sports and entrepreneurship seem to go hand in hand. I've met so many entrepreneurs that have athletics in their background. Maybe it's because of the team component that They're used to bringing in team members and relying on team members. Maybe it's taking action, it's going out there and making something happen, even when it doesn't seem like something's there. Maybe it's just understanding coaching and having someone to rely on, someone to tell you what to do, always looking to get better and better. Today's guest is a former athlete. Really interesting story is that was his career path, that was his goal, was to be a college basketball coach. And he did that and then found the entrepreneurial bug, went out to do his own thing, and now has a a partnership with some others in the real estate world. This is Adam Kipnis, host of the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. Appreciate you joining today. As always, we are on C-Suite Radio and brought to you by Powertexting.com. Powertexting.com gives away one free hotel stay to a listener of every episode we have, so stay tuned for more information on that. The focus of my business has always been marketing, planning, and strategic planning. If you need more money in your business, if you need a better strategy, download my book at freebookfromadam.com. It is step-by-step how to make more money in your business. It's an easy read, easy to implement, so definitely go grab that. So without further ado, I want to introduce my guest, Adam Carswell. Adam, thanks for joining today. I'm looking forward to hearing your story. Adam, thank
0: you for having me, and I have to say... Great name as well.
1: <laughs> the Adams are taking over on the Entrepreneurs, <laughs> Entrepreneurs MBA podcast. So um, we met each other just over the phone a couple of weeks ago, but I really enjoyed your story and some of the things that you had planned for yourself, some of the things you accomplished, and where it's led you today. So why don't you start with a little bit of that journey, especially through um, different athletics and, and where that started you on your path?
0: Yeah, I think uh what in a way kind of got me you could say to where I'm sitting today, where I'm at today is the the sport of basketball and coaching in particular. As you mentioned, um you know, I I I played basketball throughout college. I also ran track for 4 years as well at Westminster College. It's in uh Western Pennsylvania and decided that I wanted to continue going down this <clears throat> this road of athletics. I want to be a coach. So, Basically, coaches in the NCAA now, in this day and age, normally have their master's degree in something, whether it's uh, sports leadership or psychology, something like that. I ended up going to a, basically a small school in Belize, in Central America, that did have master's programs that were accredited by U.S. schools. They just didn't have all these fancy programs. They, they had business administration, et cetera. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to get my master's. I'm going to study business administration. And during my time in Belize, I first moved down there. actually played for the team my first season. My second season, um, just what I call just a very fortunate series of events took place. Next thing you know, at age 23, I became the head coach of Galen University. And um, I don't know if I I just said this, but we won the national championship when I was a player. And the next year as a coach, we won it again. And I was really having a good time. I could see myself continuing to live in Belize and coach and play basketball because during the time I was also uh, playing in the in the professional league down there as well. But I started to realize, you know, I like basketball, but I didn't love it. And I had a lot of friends that were coaching, especially in the US at the time that were just eat, sleep, breathe everything basketball. And that's the level you have to be dedicated to it to really be successful, especially in the US. Um, I also had student loans pending from my undergrad that what I was making in Belize simply just wasn't going to cover it. It's not like I was making bad money. It was just like, you <laughs> know, you're living in Belize, you got to make more money. So, um, and I, and I was homesick too. I can't, I can't deny that. So I moved back to the U S and, um, somehow found some, it's funny now cause I would never want to really go back to this way of living, but I I really wanted to start working for a fortune 500 company and, and kind of work my way up the ladder. And I don't know if you mentioned this earlier, but you know, within two years of, of, uh, doing that, I realized, wow, there's a ceiling here and I want to kind of live a life with no ceiling. I want to, yeah, I always tell people this just to put it in perspective, you know, I want to be a billionaire one day and working at a, for, for a company, it's really going to be hard for anyone to ever accomplish that. So, um, started, you know, I just, I chose real estate. It kind of called me, um, I had a few friends that were working on their real estate license and when I was living in Washington DC and it inspired me to do the same and then just kept going down the rabbit hole until I found out a little bit more about what commercial real estate can do for someone especially on the investing side and I uh you know I now work with two private equity firms that have managing principals that are you know really just taking me under their wing teach me everything that they know so that way you know I can do my run my own operations similar to how they do one day who knows I've never said this on a show before but I know <clears throat> especially one of my, you could say bosses in particular, would Chuckle, but maybe I'll, I'll, I'll take over the company one day. I, we'll see. <laughs> so, um, But it, it's, it's fun. Uh, we can definitely talk a lot about what I do, but also I should say I'm working remotely right now from Newfoundland, Canada, St. John's, and I can do that just because of the way my work is structured. And I'm also living here because some of my friends that I went to school with when I lived in Belize, they moved here. And I've been visiting them frequently since 2015. And then uh, within the past six months, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to move up there with those guys because I always have a good time. And now we're uh, now we're talking.
1: That's that's awesome. And and I love the background because there's so much that in your background that led you to where you are. Um, I think first and foremost, being a successful entrepreneur is about taking chances, but also identifying opportunities. You were playing. In the States, you probably could have gone through a more traditional path and maybe been an assistant coach or a student assistant, but you found the opportunity to go to Belize, which a lot of people wouldn't see that as an opportunity, and a lot of people wouldn't take action like that. And so I wanna understand, why did you choose that opportunity? Because that's out of the norm, it's super scary for a lot of people to do, just like starting your own businesses. So let's start there. Why Belize, why did you take that opportunity? I took it because um, my coach in
0: college, actually, he's from Youngstown, Ohio, originally, and I should say I I grew up in Cleveland, born and raised in in Northeast Ohio as well. Um, But he went to the same college that I did after he finished up there within a a few years of finishing up school. He moved to Belize. He played down there professionally, started coaching as well, and then he moved back and started coaching when I was in school. And uh, I just, I knew that existed. He also had some players from Belize come visit the school when I was still a player. And I got to know some of, some of these guys in advance. And then there was another player that I used to play against who I heard moved to the UK, was getting his master's and was playing for the university that he was studying at. And I was like, wow, that's, that's a great idea. So like a year later or something, I mentioned the same thing to my coaches. Like, is there any way I can do that but in Belize? And he reached out to his contacts and some of the people that I got to meet when they came to visit. And uh, wait, I never forget waiting. I mean, I because it's it's a Caribbean country, even though it's in Central America, and so things just move a little bit slower in those countries. <clears throat> and I just remember waiting for like, yeah, you know, it sh- it's a, an answer that I probably should have gotten in like two weeks, and it took like at least two months to find out. And I'm graduating. I'm like, okay, am I going to go to Belize? Am I have to go get a job? I was so nervous and. I just remember, I want to say it was like late May 2013 when I got uh, the phone call from my coach saying, "Like, hey, Adam, you're good to go." And um, yeah, my life has just completely, really changed
1: since since that move. And the opportunities that that you were given there—one, winning a national championship, whether it's Belize or whether it's in the United States—a championship is a is a championship. So as a player, that had to feel like the pinnacle. But the uh, the athletic director came up to you after that year and said, how would you like to coach? Now that is an entirely different direction, but it was a direction you thought you want to go. You wanted to coach and he gave you the opportunity way earlier than you thought. What was that feeling like? And how did you wrap your mind around going from player to coach and sort of fulfilling a dream in a year versus (laughs) five or 10 years that you thought it would take? Right. Uh, and
0: that's another moment that I, it's almost like, I don't remember the exact moment, but I remember the feeling. I actually came back to the U.S. that summer where I got the call. It was probably July 2014 or so. And I uh, got the call from actually the president of the school offering me the, the job. And I was on my way to Richmond, Virginia to work a basketball camp for VCU. Uh, Coach Smart, Shaka Smart is a pretty popular name within the college basketball community <clears throat> and I just remember being so excited to go go tell coach smart the coach smart that I just became a college basketball coach um, in Belize so it was an exciting feeling again I was like can't believe it I was 23 I can hardly be, still to this day believe that it happened <laughs> but um it was great and uh, definitely and again you know life-changing experience a lot of those guys that I've coached and played with I still have relationships with and I try to go back to Belize as often as possible I'm hoping to go the, this upcoming spring, so that's a little bit of what was running through my head, and, and it's just uh, very good for the confidence, I'd say, of a young, you know, a young
1: uh, future entrepreneur. I bet, and entrepreneurship is about capitalizing on opportunities, and you were given one, but being a, ba- a head basketball coach is requires you to run an organization. It requires you to be a leader. It requires people to do what it is you need them to do even when they're pushing themselves to the limit as a as a leader of of young men how did that what did that teach you i guess is a better way to put it (laughs) and what have you learned from that in your future now in real estate and you work with different hedge funds but you have to be a leader of other people whether it's people giving you money whether it's getting deals done So what did that experience teach you about leadership that you were able to use later in life?
0: I think one of the biggest takeaways that I got from that experience was um, a skill within leadership, which is being a connector and being able to identify what someone's strength is and putting them in a position where they can best utilize that strength. Um, And I think that's actually something that I observed Maybe for I would say from my definitely from my college basketball coach, but also my college track and field coach. I should say when I was when I was at Westminster, um, we won championships too, but it was actually in track. And if I am ever going to be in the Westminster College Hall of Fame, it actually might be from my track career more than my basketball, just because we won a lot of, we won three championships when I was there and I don't know how many, you know, probably broke six records, won a lot of gold medals and stuff like that. So, um, and I shouldn't say it like that. Like it was big stuff like that, you know, you know, all those gold medals. Um, <clears throat> but what I noticed was when I first came to Westminster, I didn't even really know my freshman year about how much I was going to pursue a four-year career in track. And my coach, as soon as he started observing where I was most successful, because I started off long jumping, high jumping, and I think running the four by four. And he noticed like on the 400, he's like, wow, Adam, is pretty good at that four hundred he's the jumping he's okay but the four hundred he's good, so then my sophomore year, I started running the open four hundred um, won the conference championship, and took first place in the four hundred my sophomore year, the whole conference and so he started putting me in other sprinting events, and next thing you know i you know he identified my strengths because I would have never been like, "Hey, I want to run the four hundred to <laughs> do that so um, transferring that skill from track to when I was coaching basketball and now other aspects of my life, just, you know, figuring out what someone is really good at and doing my best to help connect them or put them in a position where they can be successful. Um, I'll use another example. Just very recently, I just made a a music video for my brand and I have a friend who is really good at making online clothing websites. So I reached out to him. I was like, Hey, how can we do this? Boom. Basically gave him the keys. He set it all up. got another friend who's, I like editing video, but he's 10 times better than me. So I put him in a position to shoot the video and edit the video for us. So putting all these people together where they can be most successful at the end helps us all in a way win. And I feel like I'm still coaching basically.
1: (laughs) Very interesting because that team aspect as an entrepreneur, especially a solopreneur, someone really just getting their own start is... We don't always think about the team. We think about ourselves, and we feel like we have to do it all. We might not have the money to hire somebody, but that doesn't mean we can't bring people into the fold. So your coaching background brought you that knowledge, and now in the real estate world, is it something you consciously thought about finding good teammates, or is that just the natural connections and the connector part of your personality that brought that to light?
0: I think it's something – this sound weird, and I, I've, I love this question because I'm answering a lot of questions that I've never got to talk about on a podcast before, <laughs> I have to say that. So working with Michael Flight, who's our managing principal at Concordia, working with Hunter Thompson, who's our principal at ASIM Capital, both of these guys, based on their level of performance and reputation within the industry, they are absolutely individuals that I would consider winners. <clears throat> And when I first got to know them, I like I just really started gravitating towards them. I didn't really know why. I didn't really have much of a reason to question. I just knew that you know they had good reputations. And now that I've gotten to really know them more, I see for myself like, wow, these guys are winners. They know they they just know how to win with the things that they that they do and that they touch. And um, again, when I it's because I know one of my one of my bosses. He he is gonna listen to this interview for sure. And he's going to be sitting back. He's like, all right, Adam. Yeah. Okay. I'm like, He's going to have some kind of like funny remark about what I'm saying right now. So I can't help but like think about that. But uh, you, know, you know, these guys know how to win and I don't know exactly where it comes from other than um, you know, I'm a believer and I know God's always going to put me in a position to be successful. And thankfully that, that winning aspect, if you are a part of it, at least a few times in your life, it
1: becomes easier to identify it. As you uh, as you get older you said something there I found really interesting and you said you have to know how to win and I think that's a challenge that a lot of people don't they don't have they don't know how to win whether it's in business whether it's in sports in sports it's a little more obvious uh, when I was uh, this is probably you know 15 maybe 20 years ago I live here in Arizona And uh, Jake Plummer was the quarterback of Arizona State, took him to within one second of winning the national championship, gets drafted by the Arizona Cardinals, uh, eventually leads them to some success, their first playoff win in like 50 years because he knew how to win. Even though he didn't have all the skills, even though he wasn't a prototypical quarterback in the NFL, he knew how to win. Doug Flutie knew how to win. So when you say people know how to win, whether it's in business or in sports – Is that something you have to cultivate, or is that something you just think is in you? I think you do. I think you do cultivate
0: it. And I think that a lot of people don't realize that you you can cultivate it. And again, I, I don't have the specific answer on how you do it, but I think if you can look back on your life and look at moments in your life where you were successful or where you did, you could say, win and kind of take a high level, just view at at what, you know, what, why is it? Why, why did we, why were we successful here? Why did we win here? And there's a, just a, there's a weird psychology to it. And I wish I could give um, a concrete answer and maybe I will by the end of the interview, but um, it's a mindset. And who is it? Uh, I think is it no- maybe Notre Dame university. They've got, uh, you know, play like a champion today. This, yep. Okay. So actually here we go. This was um, a, A quote that I used for my players and I actually wish that I used it in more aspects of life right now maybe this will help spark me start using it again but what I would say to my players when we were when when I was at Galen was um every day is championship day that was a quote because if you show up to practice every day is championship day then when it really is championship day it's just another day so you're ready you've been thinking this way for a long time so that's, I'd say that that's something that everyone here can, uh, can take take with them moving forward. Today is championship day,
1: so every day. I, I, I think that's so perfect. It's you know that's way better than sort of practice makes perfect or perfect practice makes perfect. Um, but we most of the time, whether it's in athletics or whether it's business, most of what we do is not making sales or talking to. Prospects or talking to clients are playing in games. Most of what we do is practice for the 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 bigger events But if if you think about golf a lot of people go golfing and they hit uh, driver 58 times off the at the the practice tees But you only hit driver about 10 times or 11 times during your round of golf the other in my case hundred shots Are everything other than a driver, right? So we spend a lot of our time practicing So every day is championship day is a mindset that helps you think about business. We're talking with Adam Carswell on the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. As I said, powertexting.com gives one free hotel stay to a listener of every show. If you go to podcasttrip.com and enter your information, hopefully you will be our lucky winner. Adam, you, you had your dream goal job. Maybe it wasn't your dream job, but it was your dream goal job of being a basketball coach. But student loans and being homesick and only being 23, 24 years old, living in a foreign country, brought you back home. You did the corporate thing, but you found a bigger passion, maybe a passion that filled that competitive need and that spiritual need in real estate. What drove you there or what led you to learning about real estate to put you on that path to fill that passion that was... um, that took over for for athletics that you had for you know the first 20 years of your life
0: I think um what it did was so with with coaching it was kind of like you know do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life type of thing and uh in certain regards I I do still miss being able to be on the sidelines yelling at my players positively (laughs) to help to help us win so uh, every now and then I miss that feel and maybe one day I'll get back into running some basketball camps or something like that. But with real estate, what it's been able to even early on create for me, because you know, in the long run, I definitely see myself as a, as a passive or active investor. And that's the guys that I'm working with. I'm learning how to structure myself and get ready to do that. For the time being, it's not really who I am. I can't go out and say that I, I am like an official investor. I have some interest in the deal, whatever. But already what I'm starting to see is that through an industry like this, what it allows me to do is create wealth for myself, and in a way where it creates a lot of freedom as well, a lot of time to do the things that I love, such as taking time out of my out of my working day right now to speak with you, um, doing my own podcast. As I mentioned, uh, you know, I have I have my own brand, and I, I do little fun things here and there, little projects on the side to kind of just see you know which one's gonna explode. You never know. So through being in real estate, it helped me realize, um, because i worked a job before where sometimes I'd be on on the clock from seven to seven, or, you know, if I'm managing a store, even if I'm not there, I'm still kind of on the clock. So once I left that industry and I realized how much time I actually had in my hands to start educating myself and, and doing these other, uh, business ventures, that's when I realized like, wow, okay. Real estate can open a lot more doors than than just more doors, even within the industry itself. So um, where I see it similar to coaching is, again, because when I was coaching, I kind of just in a way I felt I felt free at the time. And uh, I definitely feel the same freedom energy right now, if not even more. And again, it relates to just the stories and um, everything that we've shared so far in this interview.
1: And in your current role, you've affiliated with two different companies. You've got two different managing directors that acting as, as mentors to you as much as sort of bosses telling you what to do. But a lot of what you have to do is on your own. They've, they've, they've taken you under their wings, but you have to go out and you have to cultivate relationships. You have to find deals. You have to pull things together and uh, on behalf of yourself and on behalf of them. What are some of the things that they have taught you about... The business, not necessarily the nuts and bolts, but about being in business that allows you to go out and do something that you're still learning um, on behalf of the larger company, right? Because they probably have two different personalities, but, but they're both giving you guidance and they're both giving you important lessons to learn.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. They, they definitely have two different personalities. Um, one funny thing, or I do not even say call it funny, but this is like kind of how it all happened I was with ASIM Capital at a conference and it was, uh, it's called Freedom Fest, which is in Vegas every year. And it's, um, it's labeled as more of like a libertarian type of, of conference. And so Michael is who I met there. And so even though they're not identically the same personality, they kind of have the same underlying beliefs, which also resonate closely with mine. Interesting. And so that was a factor that I definitely think helped encourage all of us to, you know, want to work together. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly what, what uh, your, what was the question again?
1: Just, just what kind of, what kind of guidance have they given you in business overall that you've okay. been able to implement and, and really run with?
0: Definitely a lot. Um, and it would be hard for me to, to say like one in particular over the other, but one that for, for example, just comes to mind is um and i was just speaking with this about speaking about this topic with hunter the other day and it happened to be a topic that first came to mind during a conversation that i had with michael and it was really as a young entrepreneur and as someone networking building investor relations i was in a position even about two months ago where if i connected with someone for example on linkedin or at a networking event i'd be like hey let's get on the phone, let's talk, let's get to know each other a little bit more, let's go get coffee. And, um, you know, those meetings would always be anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour. And so I was taking a lot of time out of my day to sometimes just to, just to build, a, build a bridge for the heck of it, which is great. But Michael kind of advised me how he never really does that anymore. He's much more focused with his time. He's only going to get on the phone with someone if they know exactly how it's going to directly benefit both of them. And I remember I I told him, I was like, Yeah, you know, like I'm hoping, you know, one day I'll I'll be on your level and I and I can do that and I can, you know, say no to people. And he's like, it's like, well, you know, I'm I'm hoping that uh you you could do that pretty soon, like like really soon. (laughs) And I was (laughs) I was like, wow. Like it hit me hard because in my head I'm like, you know, I have to keep doing it the way that I'm doing now because I'm I'm young and I'm building. But the way that he said it, like I said, it hit me hard. And ever since about let's say, you know, roughly two months, a month ago. I've significantly cut down on my get to know you calls, get to know you meetings. Um, I no longer schedule 30 minute phone calls. They're always 15 minutes. And if it needs to be extended, me and whoever I'm meeting with will extend it. But it's amazing how much more focused I've become ever since he just said something like that, very very similar. And then I I shared that information with Hunter the other day and he was, he was kind of explaining to me how he's been going through this process of, as well of just getting more and more focused over the years and how he uses his time. And so I really resonated with Hunter when I shared that with him. And I was like, hey, there's actually a, a tip that Michael shared with me. And he probably doesn't even know that I'm, I'm using it to this extent until he's going to listen to this interview. <laughs>
1: That's, it's a very important point you make there. Because uh, lots of unsuccessful people have lots of coffees. Lots of extremely, extremely successful people have lots of coffees. So if you are uber successful, you have all the time in the world because you have systems in place, you have people running your businesses, and you've got time to give back. When you're not successful, we think we have all this time and we have to use it effectively. And now you're finding that middle ground of, I don't have all the time in the world to give away because I've got to be focused on my business and I've got to have more structure. In Getting away from the get to know you's that take a half an hour, an hour, it's obviously given you more time back. How have you structured that time, that extra capacity to do what it is you need to be doing in business? Because meeting people is important, but there's a lot of work to be done. How have you structured your time now that you have more of it that you've created?
0: Yeah, I would say um when I look at it, for example, I... So I I have Mondays, Uh, normally we'll we'll do more um, project-oriented work. So for example, at ASIM, we have a a mentorship program where we teach, we kind of take students from zero to 100 in commercial real estate investing. So Mondays, much more project-related things that I'm working on. That's an example at ASIM. Concordia as well, um, I'll do some lease abstracting or um, media marketing social media posting for both firms. So I'll do more work like that on on Mondays and Fridays, Tuesdays through Thursdays, which we're speaking on a Tuesday. So this is probably why it worked out well. I will, I'll do, I'll schedule more phone calls. And I think I I do have some, some phone calls coming up, for example, later today that are tied to that same program. But normally no one's, no one's talking to me on the phone Monday or Friday and I can get a lot, knock out a lot of the projects Tuesday through Thursday, I can do a lot more talking. And that's, again, something that I didn't really even think about until recently. But it's just, when I look at it now, it's like, wow, I'm getting focused. I'm getting more and more focused. And I have uh, a little goofy method that I use that I actually never really heard many people share on, on shows and stuff before. But um, I, I use a checklist like every day. I, I write out, I've got it all all right here, right in front of me. So everything that I'm doing today, boom, 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 I'm going to check this off after we're done. And then before I go to bed tomorrow, I'll make sure I have the next day planned out in advance as well. And sometimes you don't always stick to, to the plan, right? Like things happen, but um, that's a system that I've just found effective. It's very simple. It's just writing down a checklist every day. You don't need an app or anything like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, those are, I guess, little tips, tricks, hacks, things that I've been doing to structure myself more. And if I didn't create the time in the first place to start thinking about how to get more focused and how to structure my schedule better, then um, it, it would have been how I was running my, my own personal operation, what maybe six months ago. It was just different, right? So um, that, that, that I makes hope a that answered the question. No, it, <laughs> it
1: doesn't. It makes a lot of sense, and it brought up something else that you didn't say, but going back to athletics, as a student athlete, you had to go to class. You had to practice in two sports, sometimes probably at the same time. You probably had personal workouts in there you had uh, studying and what you needed to do to make sure that you could get the grades to play. Uh, sounds like you're a smart guy, that probably wasn't a problem, but you still have to do the, the homework. And, and so in your student athlete world, it, it doesn't sound like you planned it that way, it was just built into the lifestyle that you had. And now that you've got two different roles that you fill, plus I saw on LinkedIn, you seem like it was still a workout machine, um, the <laughs> video that you did the other day. I know day. you're talking about it, yeah. So, it's so trending these, right now. <laughs> <laughs> it? Nice. Yeah, yeah. So you've got these multiple things that you're doing and now you've just systematized it where before it was natural. So I just, it's interesting those two parts of your life sort of coming together now in the business world.
0: Yeah. There's so much value that comes from being a student athlete that I think it's overlooked and especially because I was a division three stu- student athlete. And so I've met a lot of people who were successful high school athletes that could have gone on to, you know, for example, play D- division three athletics and didn't because they say, Oh, you know, I want to focus more on school or whatever. Um, and that's, that's great. And I'm sure a lot of those individuals are successful. It was just like, I feel like when you even, no matter what level of college athletics you're playing at, if you're able to do school and, and your sport, it's gonna, it's just a, an experience that will never there's nothing that compares to it. It prepares you so well for the for the real world, especially if you complete all four years. I know a lot of people that'll do, for example, two years and, and kind of drop off. That I'm biased because I did all four years, right? <laughs> but right, anyone, anyone right, exactly. that I hear that, that did like two years of college athletics or one year or even three years, and then they didn't finish, it's kinda of like, uh, yeah, you kinda of quit, huh? You know, what's what's the reason there? Um so Getting back to it, I remember specifically, and I talked to my brother about this too, who played for four years. He's three years younger than me. So actually my senior year, uh, it was his freshman year. We got to play together for a season. And um, I'll just never forget the days where, you know, waking up at 4.30 a.m. for a 6.00 a.m. practice and then not getting back to my dorm until 10 p.m. And when you're working like that at age 20 or 21, whatever, it definitely gets built into you. And as you mentioned, especially with the workouts, uh, I would feel so weird because of the training that I did for four, four years straight. I would feel so weird if I just quit working out, even you know, what's this, five years later? It's it's just built into me. So um, when you do, it's like a, yeah, it's like military. Yeah, you, you kind of have that military structure, and I guess some people don't keep up with it because they're tired of it. But I found it to be good for me, so I keep. I keep things as structured as possible.
1: Nice, and and, and still loving it. So, just uh, a couple, more, two more questions for me. The the first one is, when you were playing basketball or track, you had teammates that relied on you. You had teammates that pushed you. I'm sure at nine o'clock at night, when some of your other friends were going out grabbing beers, you had someone that said, "No, we have to hit the gym for one more hour." Or you were that person. Now. In real estate, yes, you've got mentors and people that rely on you, but you're sort of on your own in what you're doing. You don't have somebody sitting in the next room that could be a roommate or a teammate that's going to drive you and push you to do what you don't want to do. Talk a little bit about how do you self-motivate now where you had somebody that was <laughs> forced motivation, for lack of a better term, earlier. Yeah, that's this is
0: like one of the... This is probably the most important skill for me that I, again, do my best to improve every single day, because I've gotten to a point now where I have realized, like, it's all up to me. And I hit a, a pretty significant bump in the road. Um, it was probably about a year and a half ago, maybe almost two years ago, when I was uh, still a realtor with with Remax at the time. And uh, you know, financially just looking at my, my bank account after a significant amount of deals had just fell through paint a little bit more context. My first year as a realtor was like really good. My second year, I thought was going to be just like it and cocky young kid, not cocky, but just not having a whole lot of experience. Sometimes year one's not the same as year two. (laughs) And so, um, you know, moments like that, they hit you hard. And this is where I've seen, and I'm sure you've seen people throughout our lives where they go through a hardship like that and it either changes them or they stay the exact same. And I'm just really blessed to know that moments like that do actually change me when I'm uncomfortable now. I know, I know how to say no. I heard a great quote the other day. No is a complete sentence. <laughs> um, and so tying like back that. more to, to answer your question is, uh, you know, it's, you have to have, if you're a solopreneur, you have to continuously practice on being a hard worker and most importantly, having discipline because I know a lot of people who are very hard workers, uh, but when it comes down to the structure of their day or their spending habits or whatever, the discipline is is missing. And that's where you see that continuous cycle happen. So um, this was the other thing where it all spirals back to, I remember, never forget growing up, my dad would always say, make your bed every day, you know, make your bed every day. And I would never do it until I was probably 18 or 19. I finally said, you know what, I'm gonna start making my bed. Um, so. 10 years ago. And I've made my bet every day for the past 10 years, pretty much. And I think that's where it starts. It's like simple discipline
1: and it just kind of snowballs into more practices of your life. I appreciate that. That's really good. There's a great video. Uh, that, it's a motivational video. Uh, uh, an army or military yep. um, colonel uh, yeah, talks no about, you're Talking about, yeah. if you make your bet every day, you've accomplished one thing. So no, no matter what else happens, you've always got that. Uh, he does it much more inspirational than I just said it. So make your make your bet into YouTube and you'll see the video out there. So last question, and this is an impossible question, but I'm going to ask it anyway because I'm gonna right. be fascinated with the answer. You've won individual awards, championships, gold medals. You've won team championships in track and field and basketball, and you coached a team to a championship. Which was the most satisfying?
0: Oh, man. The most satisfying one, I, and um, when I get questions like this, I always just go with what comes to comes to mind first, because they were all absolutely just amazing moments in the moment. <laughs> you right, you can't. There's no way to replicate that feeling. But the one that just came to mind was I'll never forget my senior year at Westminster. We're running is for it was the track PAC championships. We had a huge target on our backs because we had won the last two years. Um, any event that we were in, everyone want to beat West wants to beat Westminster, and we were running the four by one. I was the second leg, and we were in lane two. So normally, if, if you're in lanes three, four, or five, you're kind of like one of the favorites to win it. And we were in lane two, and we had a couple, myself, and I think one of our other uh, legs of the race were kind of like slightly injured, but we were fighting through it. And I'll just never forget running that second leg. So I'm on the opposite end of the track from where the finish line is and i see anthony thomas i have to send him this interview now <laughs> <I> see <laughs> anthony thomas coming down that last leg running the anchor leg for the 4 by 1 and i'm looking and i'm like oh my goodness he is he is smoking everyone like we are we are way ahead we're not expecting to win this race we wanted to obviously and i'll just never forget just just jumping i'm running across the field just jumping the whole way just screaming at the top of my lungs like so happy and it's funny cuz that actually that wasn't like this, the one to seal the deal for us winning the championship. We did win it that day, but I'll just never, for whatever reason, I'll just never forget how happy I was in that moment. And I think
1: it's probably because, you know, we, we were the underdogs um, and we prevailed. Love it. Love it. And th- thanks for the interview. Thanks for the time. We've been talking to Adam Carswell. You can find him at Carswell, dot io, And uh, definitely go check out his LinkedIn. You can look up Adam Carswell. He'll be there and, see this video he did the other day on uh just his daily workout uh puts us all a little bit to shame but also motivates me at the same time uh to get after it adam thanks for the time thanks for the information really love the conversation
0: my pleasure adam thank you for having me and i look forward to uh talking
1: to you another time definitely will do thanks everyone for listening to the entrepreneurs mba podcast with adam kipnis look forward to having you on the next episode you've been listening to the entrepreneurs mba Download Adam's free book, How to Make More Money in Your Business, at www.freebookfromadam.com.
0: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.